Mr. Andrew, we're recording. Mm-hmm. So we just left off about you you talking about where you were in your early 20s, turning down a Wall Street opportunity. And sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do is to turn out, turn down good and searching for great. Take me through, how do you think that you made that decision in that time? You said you've spent a lot of time thinking about that. What is what is your reflection as the wise 30-year-old you are now? Uh, what helps someone kind of make that decision towards what they feel in their gut is the right move for them? Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, wise, I mean, I feel I have so much to learn. I, I, the older I get, the, the more I feel like I don't know. I have so much left to, to learn and give. Um, mm-hmm. but truthfully, like, and I was saying to you before we started this, like, I'm, I'm a great admirer of yours because – you, you, you went all in and on your passions mm-hmm. uh, and kind of, if you, st- if we start there, like I, I went to wall street, I think more for financial gain- gaining status than for passion and knowing like, you know, I could put my heart and soul into this. Yeah. Uh, so I was saying to you, like, if, I was wondering why it was so easy. So I got a job in San Francisco at BlackRock right out of college. Um, and it was a pretty hard year before that, but why was it so easy for me to just pull the trigger, call my mom, be like, this isn't for me. I'm going to go join a startup. Um, and how I knew that that was not where my spirit, where my soul was at and, and what stops other people, you know, cause at, at the end of the day, you just want to help people with your story. Hmm. Uh, w- what blocks other people from pursuing what they truly feel will be purposeful work. And so you went on to travel after that. Is that right? I remember one of the first touching points between you and I was that you had been traveling and you were looking for opportunities that would almost help you continue to travel. Was that after the wall street uh, yeah, period? So just like a quick twenties update. Uh, I played yeah. college soccer, ended my career on an injury. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Ed my Cause he says, you know, like um, when you when your first identity dies, uh, it kind of shows your character and, uh, it was a dark place for a little while, right? It's hard. Um, this is something you gave your heart and soul to. Uh, right around that time, went to Wall Street, went to San Francisco, left BlackRock and joined a startup for three years, uh, then moved back home, did a consulting gig with my buddy from college who I played soccer with. We did built mobile apps for small businesses. Mm. And like looking back now, I mean, the way I would summarize that was I was probably chasing money and status and f- what my version of competitive freedom was like proving it to people. Like I didn't make it in soccer, but I can make it in this. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, our family business had some troubles and we had to close down and reopen. And it was like, it was just a tough, like four or five year stress stretch. And just like, when you go all in on yourself, like entrepreneurship seems cool, but it's, um, it, it's cool when one out of the three months when you're first starting out, you get a, a big invoice or a big client, but all the other times where you're struggling, when you're looking for answers, you're uh, Ed my says false starts. It was just a ton of false starts. And it was just like, at one point I decided like I wrapped up all my projects. I, I pushed through it and I, I decided to go travel to Bali. And yeah, that's when I connected with you. Mm. That's wild that you said that because I resonate. I know that's definitely what we talked about before was the transitioning of um, from one sport to another. And it sounds like, I think I definitely went through a similar process where you finished your athletics career and that was so tied with your identity. And then you quickly, rather than, uh, you know, maybe getting to the root of why that 
that aspirational project was taking on so much of your identity. It's almost as if we immediately search for another thing that we can hang our hat on as this is who I am. And um, for me as well, I, I started chasing the money right out of sport and college and trying to be an entrepreneur and what I thought that was. And it is funny how that changes and evolves. Um, and it's cool that you have the wisdom to be able to look back and see that. What, what did travel do for you? Because I, I see you as someone who really does think in different ways and you, you, you take on a lot of projects and you're very fluid, it seems, between projects, which I think is a really powerful trait to be able to bounce from one thing to another. What did travel do for you? Your travel did everything for me. Um, for someone who is, like I come from an immigrant family, mm. uh, travel is like going to an all-inclusive resort. That's how we travel. That's not, that's not travel. Yeah. Uh, when you go to another culture, uh, when you see how other people live, uh, like one thing that was so spectacular was I, I've never felt so happiness is one thing, right? You see happy people and Balinese people are some of the happiest people in the world, but more than that, they're so fulfilled. Mm. And when you see fulfillment with people who don't have a lot monetarily or whatever, materialistically, and then you come back and you see, wow, these people have everything and they're unhappy. You start to question <laughs> and probably at the core. If, if there's something that I think, I don't even have a ton of answers. I just have more questions. Now I mm. question stuff. Uh, and I love the, the quote, like life is the questions you ask yourself. Yeah. So I've been really conscious. What would a travel do? It probably taught me like, be really, really careful with the questions you ask yourself. It sounds like it just blew up your perspective. I love what you just said. It blew up your perspective. It sounds like I went to one of the most life-changing places I had been, and it was only for three days, uh, was Morocco. I went to Tangier. I was spending some time in Spain and I just hopped over it's a quick, like hour boat ride. And the same, I felt the same thing. I was like, here is one of the most rundown places I've ever been in Tangier. These people have nothing. They're eating like a loaf of bread for, you know, the equivalent of like what is an American 50 cents. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm seeing the look in their eyes and it's like, they don't, they're not suffering. They're happy. And when I came back, I felt a very similar thing. So it sounds like you just just blew up your perspective, which allowed you to maybe navigate the world you've always lived in in a new way. It, it really does. That's a great way to put it. How was, how was the bartering in Morocco? <laughs> Good question. I was being, uh, I mean, I loved it, but people would follow me around and, you know, try to sell stuff. So that was a little annoying. Um, but the bartering was fun and I, I spoke Spanish a little bit. So uh, in Morocco, they're able to speak Spanish. So it was very cool to be able to speak to locals and a language that they speak. I thought that was very special. You also speak Spanish. Tell me about your, your learning Spanish uh, every day. What is that? Tell me about that. I'm so excited about that. That's like one of my Dharma parts of my life is to be fluent in Spanish. Um, so tell me about what you're doing with that. Uh, well, well, so I'm bilingual. I, Russian was our first language. We came over from Ukraine. Hmm. But truthfully, man, you, you remember how, you, did you play ball, basketball growing up your whole life? Yeah. Okay. Basketball was a completely new game for me. So when I stopped playing uh, soccer, I started playing basketball. Mm. And I remember I was like, I remember the first two years, I couldn't like, I couldn't shoot. My form was off. I had so much inconsistency. Mm. That's the stage I'm at with Spanish. So like I started three months ago. I wish I could report more other than it's the best feeling ever to just like kind of stretch the mind. But, mm. but 
What, what made you just say, hey, I'm going to learn Spanish? Opportunity and timing, probably. Like we were in Mexico, um, in Cancun during this whole coronavirus thing with our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, dude, I, I recommend it. If people are listening to this, uh, just go to just go to Mexico. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> flights were seventy bucks one way, Dang. and we were in a penthouse that would have normally cost like ten k for a month. We were paying fifteen hundred. What? Yeah, right on the beach. All right, I'm gonna message you about that after this. People listen up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truthfully, just because like my parents deserve the credit, and this is so unlike them. Talk about breaking perspectives. Mm. They hit this. My mom's fifty, my dad's fifty-five, and like they're the first generation to go through like two lives. And what I mean by that is they have the whole second life to live. When they're going to be a hundred, it's not the same hundred that we've saw. So like they hit this fifty age. They've done so much, but they also have this identity crisis. And like, well, now what? You know. Mm. And we've been working on that because I love my family. You know, they've done so much for me. And like my dad owned the restaurant, a cafe, but he sold time for money and, and he understood that. But the question comes like, you know, what do you do next? And, and travel was the thing that I recommended to them. You know, like, don't just go to an all-inclusive resort. Like, let's go somewhere for a month or six weeks or eight weeks. Like, get food there. Just mm-hmm. kind of live there and be a part of the culture. So, So that's how... We went to Mexico and then I just, I love joining Facebook groups. It goes down in the Facebook groups, by the way, people, if you're traveling, join Facebook groups, ask for help. Mm. Um, and I just said, Hey, does anyone teach Spanish? And now we just do an hour Skype with this guy, Efron. Wow. There's something about, yeah, like I like the advice you gave your parents to go travel for me anytime I'm really needing to figure out what's next. I love the quote that you can't, I don't know who said it, so I'm not going to try, but it's like someone, you can't solve the problem with the same mind you're thinking with, or you can't solve the problem with the same mind that is thinking of the problem. So it's travel is one of those cool ways to get out of your normal headspace and completely start thinking in new ways because you're in a new environment. And from there, you're able to maybe get new clarity. Have you always been the type of person that uh, you get excited about something like you're in a foreign country, you're learning Spanish and you just, you know, dive into it. Are you, have you always been someone to just kind of experiment with personal development, things like that? Yes. That, so like, it's cool as you get older, you think of like the things that are com- kind of natural. Mm. Um, I just joined this company. It's super cool, man. It's, it's been a blessing. This came up in the last two months too, is Simplero. And one of the things we've done uh, when you first get hired, you do this like assessment, it's a self-awareness assessment. And it, it came back that I'm an extremely quick start. Uh, and so, yeah, I have. I, if I get an idea, mm. I'm not big about pondering ideas. I don't know why I've never had that. I just kind of go see and assess, right? Like I, I kind of want the answer, not a speculation. Mm. Man, that's that's a huge, that's something I wish I could, that's something I'm looking to refine more. So I'm, I'm quite the type that would be in per- reflection. Can I that, Max, though? Like, at the same time, remember how I said, like, I, I left my Wall Street job, right? Hmm. That's a quick start. So, like, I, I've, it, it's burned me, not, maybe not in that, but it's burned me as much as it's helped me, right? So hmm. then it becomes fine-tuning that, like, when do you know to sleep on it? Hmm. And when do you know to make a move, right? And that's, that's wisdom and experience. Hmm. Uh, Very true. When I think of just do it and just like quick start, I think of, you know, one of the people that is one of the biggest advocates for that is Gary Vee. And he is someone that you work with. Tell me about that, man. What did you learn? What was that process like? That is a very rare experience to work for someone um, that is like 
as admired in the public eye as Gary Vaynerchuk. So tell me about that. <laughs> I'm still formulating this story. So like, I hope everyone's patient with me because I'm still figuring it out myself. Yeah. What is it? What do you feel now in this, in this moment in time? I feel very lucky mm-hmm. and I, I feel confident and I feel like if I could manifest that, I could manifest anything. Um, and the thing is the actual duration of work didn't go probably as well as I would like. I had imposter syndrome, bro. Never had that in my life. It was the first time getting, because uh, like w- when I leveled up in soccer, I-, I don't know why. I just always knew I could compete at that level, right? Mm-hmm. But then I got to Team Gary and I was like, dude, I don't know marketing as well as these guys. I don't know branding as well as these guys. I don't know content as well as these guys. Like I'm a sales guy. Mm-hmm. I-, I love to sell. I love people. And here I am on a marketing team. And it's like, um, if you always judge a zebra by or a giraffe by how, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt out of place. Um, so that, the actual experience for me personally was very humbling, Yeah. but I learned so much. And now I get to use that skill at Simplero because now I, build, I get to help build the brand for our CEO using all the things that I saw behind the scenes with Gary. Hmm. Well, no doubt it was for the best how it happened, but um, yeah, that sounds like a, a very uncomfortable learning experience. Is there something you would have told yourself when you were feeling that heightened, that height, uh, or that peak of imposter syndrome, that might have been like solace, or is there any encouragement encouragement you would have gave yourself? Because that is, I mean, imposter syndrome is like one of the most typical things that I feel that I'm typically working through. As I think, anytime we move to the next kind of level and anything that we want to get at, it's kind of that voice of, "Do I deserve to be here? Who am I to be here?" Uh, so is there anything you would have told yourself in that time? That's a great question, man. You're, you're good at this, by the way, you're, <laughs> you're really good at, um, probing. I, I appreciate it. I, mm. I haven't done a ton of these, but mm. you, you help me get introspective. And, and there's two things. One's tactical. One's a little heady. Uh, the first thing is like, I think you get imposter syndrome when your confidence or your self-trust ways wanes and to overcome that, just be really basic and, I love like self-confidence is comes from keeping the promises you make to yourself. Mm. So just focus on keeping the promises you're making to yourself mm. within the work day. I love that. Keep yourself and that will, that will help your self-confidence and you don't have to worry about output or what everyone else is thinking. And, you know, do you belong or not? Because those, those only come in, those doubts, I think only come in when your confidence wanes. And, and the second thing is communicate. So like, I have this tendency when I feel uncomfortable, I don't communicate. I kind of shut down. Yeah, me too. I don't really really say like, yo, like I don't get this or yo, I don't, I'm doing too much or I'm overwhelmed or uh, I don't understand what's asked of me. Uh, Like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't even know what that means. Uh, But I came home and I got to spend time. My sister's 20. She's 10 years younger, but she's super mature. And she's really good at that. And I got to see like, man, like it's okay to communicate. It's okay to ask for help. Um, it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable. So those are the two things that, that I would have said to myself. Mm, that being vulnerable piece is like a really good one for me because I've noticed when I get really clear and try to go deep on, I love to journal. So I, I'll journal about like the root of my imposter syndrome and I'll be like, what is this? And a lot of it comes down to, you know, you get uncomfortable, you feel like an imposter and then you shut down, like you said. Um, and then you're, you're almost faking it at that point because you're so uncomfortable, but you're unwilling to almost talk about it. Um, and for me, 
the root of the truth of imposter syndrome is I'm being someone that I'm not. And so if you shut down and you get quiet and pretend like you know what you're doing, you are almost manifesting that you are an imposter. Um, That's just a great way to put it. I felt yeah. like I was living in the manifestation. Like mm. it felt like I kind of kept perpetuating it. Mm. Yeah. And uh, then if, like you said, if you just took a second to be like, Hey, uh, how can I not act like I'm someone that I'm not? So, okay. Hey guys, I'm feeling like this and uh, I'm feeling like this and this. What do you guys think? I'm just going to hand it over to you being super vulnerable here. Uh, I know there's ways I can help, but there's maybe some ways that I feel like I can't help. Uh, and I, I wonder what that would have done for you. And, I, and now I'm taking that for myself now. And like, how can I do that in those situations that make me feel like an imposter? It's, uh, it was definitely humbling. It was learning. Um, but what's cool is, and I think this is a testament to Gary. Like all like the buddies, I guess, that I made over, over that time, a month or so later, like we all individually went and grabbed coffee. Uh, I reached out to them. They were more than willing to just like vibe, just be like, just be there for me. Um, same with Gary. Like I, I would say I talk to Gary now more about about sports cards uh, than we talked at all while I was there. Hmm. Uh, so, so just from that standpoint, like just the people relationship, because business is business, you know, sometimes you don't fit. And, and, and at one or two days after I just, I'm like, okay, it's business. Like now what? Um, my goal is never to work for Gary for my whole life anyway, Andrew. So I get to that place once I leave. It's really funny. Hmm. Um, but just those relationships long-term are, are, are what I value the most. And I wonder if you would have, knowing how okay you are now without that job, that's a really helpful exercise is like, I'll be okay without this. Maybe that would have, with that perspective in the future, like I'll be okay no matter what happens, that would almost put you at ease. Uh, I, I, that's <laughs> with me. I wonder how that's the case. Tell me about um, this chapter you're in now. Uh, if you were to tell me like in a brief synopsis, what the chapter of life Andrew is in right now, what is it? Learning leadership, learning how to be a servant leader. Hmm. Um, like what we do at Simplero is help people create online businesses and online courses, like kind of like uh, similar to Kajabi, for example. Mm. Uh, but what really is cool is our customers are like people who I really resonate with, you know, they want to travel one. They love self-improvement and self-development, self-awareness. Um, truthfully, 99.9% .9 of them, got into that space to share their knowledge, wisdom, experience, story because of a, a pain or a trauma from younger years. Mm. I totally resonate. Yeah. So 75% of my time is spent business development and sales and trying to help them bring their business over to save them money and time. We'll be like their technology partner so they could go ahead and create content for the courses. Mm. But then we're building a team Calvin type of vibe, similar to the way Gary's world works. But, but really what it is, is like um, a content machine so that we could create content for all of his different brands and business ideas. So 25% is kind of being a brand manager for that group. It, back to servant leadership, it's just like, I've never played that role. But for some reason, I feel very prepared, I guess, is, is the word. Like the team is amazing. The guys are super smart. One of them is a designer out of uh, San Diego that he's a, he's a designer and photographer. Awesome guy. His name is Jay Croft. Um, it's just an awesome team. And how can I serve them? You know, how can I come in with my skills and help them be successful in their roles? There's five of them. 
that's that's what I mean by servant leader because I truthfully feel like I work for them. I want to help if they run into a problem. I should be the one that helps them find the solutions or point them in the right direction or show them that they can solve it for themselves. Hmm. Sounds like your path has definitely lined you to the perfect place and all your all your experiences have set you up to be the person that you're being called to be right now. So that sounds amazing. I have two questions. Uh, I know we got to wrap up soon. How would you define uh, one, a, a servant lead, like a, a really effective servant leader? What are some characteristics of that? And then two, uh, this is a selfish question because you're working for a course creation company. I'm working on courses myself. What would you say, if you can even answer this question, puts some course creators at the top, like success wise, and, and they're able to reach more people and affect more lives compared to the ones that don't. What is the differentiator there with, with course creators? Can I start with the second and then come back yeah, to your Absolutely. absolutely. Um, brand and authenticity. I guess those kind of go synonymous, but brand, like a lot of course creators try to funnel you to death. And I'm like, okay, it's great, but your funnels will convert if you have strong content. If people have, if you have social proof, if people go to your Facebook or your Instagram page or wherever, LinkedIn, wherever your demographic is, is living and they see, okay, he's not just a funnel. He's not just selling me. He actually cares about his customers and his community is engaging with them. Hmm. So create a community. I think Facebook groups is so freaking underrated. Hmm. Uh, not just creating your own Facebook group, like, like go into Facebook groups of your ideal customer persona and re- reply to their questions. Like one of our most successful uh, courses is um, postpartum depression. So like moms who have kids and, you know, they go, they're going through some stuff. And they have no one to talk to about it. You know, like their husband, hmm. he, he can't help. So the best course creators go into Facebook groups and they share tips and ideas and tactics and physical yoga and breathing exercises and outlets and all this stuff to help these, these women overcome what they're going through. Hmm. So naturally their courses sell like a, a lady made 60 K her last quarter just doing that. Wow. So that caring about your community. I uh, love that. Social proof. I think I- whatever word you want to use. I love that. I'm, I'm going to take notes. And then what, what in your words, uh, you, you're in the era of leadership, yeah. learning what it means to be a leader. What, what do you think uh, makes a good leader? Well, I'm going to give you my best stab at it, right? Because of course. it's all um, you can do. <laughs> I, I think like, okay, like, I get it, Andrew. You want to be a, make millions of dollars. You want to have all this impact. You want to have businesses, all that stuff. Cool. You wake up in the morning, you think about that. I got you. But at the end of the day, all the people that are coming to work think that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And how do you get them to believe that the habits and the behaviors that they're learning today or what they're working on today is helping them get closer to their dreams, not yours? I love it. I love it, man. Is there a piece of advice you'd give yourself five years ago as I wrap up? That's one of my favorite questions. Or your 25-year-old self, I guess that is perfectly five years ago. Is there a quick piece of advice or encouragement you would give 25-year-old Andrew? Don't gamble in life or in sports. Like there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. I love that. Good shit, Andrew. I know you got Spanish lessons. I'm going to send you this recording, man. It was awesome to talk to you. We could, we should do this again sometime because this was just effortless uh, synergy. We had good chemistry. So appreciate you taking the time. 
you're really good at this. You you have a, a knack for, for asking the right questions. Love yours. Love yours.